Battle Line podcast. Very excited to have Tim Turner coming on. Episode 141. If we have any new listeners, uh, any new Canadian listeners, quite honestly, because of Tim's background, uh, welcome aboard to the show. We hope you all become longtime listeners and subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, we interview all different types of people from the special operations community, from the Second Amendment community, and we yeah. do some great spotlight interviews. So before we get into everything, Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott Munitions manufactures patented match-grade ammunition from solid copper and brass-spun SCS SBS rod that is designed to tumble upon impact. It leaves devastating wound channels and soft tissue for faster bleed-out and swift incapacitation. Regardless of caliber, TUI ammunition outperforms competitors in the hunting and self-defense industry, delivering accurate, quick, and ethical kills to hunters. And I got to talk about the new contest here. You guys are going to want to yeah. get involved with this. Fort Scott Munitions is following up their training facilities launch with an email giveaway valued at nearly $10,000. Prizes include a two-day training membership with this man right here, Chris Tonto Peranto. Always... A That's blast. what grand in itself, too, right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and always a learning experience, truly, yeah. um, as well as you're going to get signed swag, 1,000 rounds of Fort Scott Munitions TUI ammo. That right that, there is a huge value. Yeah, that's huge. A Daniel Defense Rifle DDM4 V7, hundreds of dollars in store credits, E3 membership, Vortex Optics, body armor, and more. That is a hell of a contest right there. So, yeah. uh Go to fortscottmunitions.com slash copper dash ticket dash giveaway. If that's too much to remember, it's going to be in the description. And actually, I didn't even know this. I always spell out the website. You could just go to fsm.com. I didn't know that they had that domain name. I guess we're oh, yeah. out of the loop. Yeah, yeah. And, just, and then just that's easy. It's easy, And it's easy for us knuckle draggers to remember. Just fsm.com and it'll, it'll pop right up. And that E3 membership that I donated, that's a lifetime membership. Nice. for the farm so that's that's i mean it's it's a pretty good little contest they got now yes. i donated one of the one of the optics as well so uh and if you want me to sign the box that i donated but it's a vortex optic but i donated one of the options i should say battle line tactical and battle line podcast donated one of those vortex optics not me it was it was a battle line battle line marker that's a tremendous optic as well that we threw in there so uh, yeah a lot of stuff man it's it's a it's i think it's worth more than 10 grand but you know whatever. sounds like it to me i mean just yeah, reading it all generous. it sounds like more than 10 yeah. grand to me but yeah go to fsm.com and then if you want to shop there they have great stuff uh they even have and i, I know it's not 15 percent off on this but they even have photonist defense night vision yeah. on there and yeah. you can use our promo code for the merch and all that for 15 percent off that stuff uh when you use promo code battle line so fsm.com promo code battle line fsm.com promo code battle line you're gonna get 15 percent off From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, 
and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. stuff to get into got tim turner coming on and uh the grind never stops because i don't know if you know i'm i'm recording this on my birthday and i'm so oh, happy birthday i didn't know yeah, that man thank you dude but i just uh i people were like what are you doing for your birthday i was like battle on podcast <laughs> <That's true. laughs> i yeah i i never really celebrated my birthday i mean obviously i don't too much now either but i'm old so i've had enough I'm birthdays old. yeah you're older but you're not old yet <laughs> But yeah, that's it's kind of like the thing. It's like, hey, what are you gonna do? I'm, I'm just get up and do what I usually do, yeah. and maybe maybe get a bite of cake or see the fan. I mean, I don't know. Are you gonna go see your family? And oh yeah, or, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say when you were saying about celebration. I mean, my thirtieth, I was in Costa Rica with friends. So like those big oh, landmarks wow. for sure. That was fun. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go to uh, if anybody knows, it's seasons fifty two with my family. Great restaurant. They changed the menu season seasonally. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. Cool. Um, but more importantly, the first thing I wanted to mention here is July 9th and 10th. You're yeah. going to be doing a two day room clearing course at, in Fort Scott, Kansas. And I know we always get people saying, man, I would love to train with you. It happens all the time. So this is your opportunity. Tonto's gearlocker.com. Yeah. And, and we, I, I call it the, the schooner tuna sale when I, I just, I'm a, that's an old dad joke. Have you ever seen Mr. Mom, my own Michael Keaton movie where they I did, did years ago. Yeah, they did at the end of it, the schooner tuna thing, if you watch it. But, hey, you know, we're I, I get people. It's hard for it's hard right now. A lot of money costs and training training costs a lot of money. And that's why we I, I was like, dude, we, we got to discount these prices for what we're doing. And we'll discount them until everybody's back online, which who knows when that will be. But as being said, it, it, not just the price, it's, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of learning. The medical portion is day one. And that's, that is a perishable skill that people need to learn. And then also getting into some one day room clearing. I know some of you haters out there, Oh, what can I learn in a day and room clearing? Well, it's a start and you can definitely learn something just as I had to start somewhere from day one and learn. And even in day 67, 3000, whatever it was, the training down the line, the fundamentals still always applied and you had to learn them. So uh, we, I make it interesting. I, I'm interesting. I make it fun. Uh, Mike's going to make it fun. You're going to learn something. You're going to get to come out to really Americana. You've been to Fort Scott. It's, it's Americana. It. It's the Midwest. It's, and the training facility we're in, uh, it's an urban environment to say the least, dude. It, I remember walking in there and it reminded me of honestly a, a bag, a, a scene from the, one of the neighborhoods in Baghdad where it just got bombed out. I mean, that's, but that's, to me, that's cool. That's <laughs> where we're going to be training. And then after it, dude, we'll sit around and have some fireside chats at the end of the day on day two and roll some s'mores and and hang out. And and that's a lot of stuff that people really don't get to do at training course. So come on, man. Come on. I, we've got some seats available. I don't want to take more than 10. But, uh, you know, I, I, I know it's difficult times right now. If you can't spend the money, I get it. But if you can, come on down. You're going to learn a lot. And you don't have to worry about ammo because it's all – airsoft and that's important on force on force because now oh, i didn't realize that force. yeah you, you can't really go on op four when it's real bullets because 
you're going to kill each other. <laughs> and I've, that's another thing that people don't get with training. Oh, well, I'm not shooting real bullets. Well, actually, the final stage of training, especially when you're doing room clearing or CQB, is force on force. That's what you want to get to. And that means you're going against an actual opposition force that is thinking, moving, and not just static. And to do that, of course, we do airsoft or simunitions or UTMs. But the airsoft has been such, I mean, they have just advanced so much. The airsoft rifles and pistols that you use have the same functions as a real gun. So it, it, you're, 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 essentially you're using a real gun. It's just, it's just shooting the airsoft BBs. And they hurt. You do know definitely when you get hit with them. But that's the best way to learn and make mistakes is where you can walk away from it. Say, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that try again you know and, and so yeah it's going to be tremendous so you don't have to worry about the money as far as bullets go right now because bullets are expensive and that's something you have to worry about so i yeah. i think it'd be it's a tremendous course and we're going to have a lot of fun we're going to do extra stuff not just the training portion extra stuff just to kind of hang out and talk and and have some fireside chats i think that's going to be fun on the second day just hanging out there and just just hanging out and being being buddies and talking around yeah. fire that's gonna be fun yeah so so get involved, guys. Tontosgearlocker.com. There's limited availability, of course. So go there right now because um, it's coming up. So I wanted to mention that. And I wanted to mention, of course, I mean, as you said, you're going to learn skills that could save your life. And yeah. and kind of going into that, I mean, I wrote it down in the prep about other stuff that I wanted to get to. But I feel like the more and more that has come out about this, uh, I think I'm saying it right, Ovalde, uh, Texas shooting. Yeah. And, and, and I know that like early on, and to your credit, I feel like you didn't want to rush to judgment. And, and I remember you saying on a show, I don't want to bash the police on this. At this point, I think it's safe to say they completely uh, were incompetent. I mean, the stuff that has come out in the past week, the fact that they were waiting outside of a door that was unlocked, a door they could have opened for over 45 minutes while children were being shot is unbelievable. And these people should not have signed up to do the job. I, and I, I, I hope it makes gives people the realization that going against an armed combatant and the possibility of losing your life is not as easy as you think it is of just actually taking that first step. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I want to say if you're going to sign up for law enforcement, the military, so forth, um, then, you know, you have to have that mindset that the possibility of you dying is, is there. But you still have to conquer that fear and go. The fear is there. Now, courage is conquering that fear. Um, so I, you know, I don't know how their training was or the vetting. I would say that, you know, vetting the, the tryouts that the afford to become a police officer and law enforcement academies probably need to be raised a bit, or at least the standards need to be a little bit more stringent because that's the kind of stuff that you don't ever want to happen is have somebody not do the job they're supposed to because uh, out of fear. And there, now there are a lot of law enforcement officers. I do know that have that do overcome that fear. We train with them. We work with them. I, my buddy, uh, Daniel Lombard, who's a Chicago police officer and was South African police officer. He's overcome fear after fear after fear. And he, he's conquered the job, you know, but when that situation happened in Uvalde, that's when the worst case scenario you got to have those guys to step up and guys, I said, guys, men and women, we are fair, equal men and women need to step up and go in through that door. Uh, so it's a lot of lessons learned, brother. But yeah. I, I, and that's where training comes in too. That's why training is perishable. That's why you do need to go and go with good instructors, especially with room clearing to teach them to, to learn, not just the, the, the tactics of it, but the mindset of, and you're going in this door. We're simulating this. You're going to have to get in there. You don't dilly dally around. And that's what I get with where they're on the door. They're getting ready to go in or they're going into a room and they're sitting there waiting. And I'm right behind them going, 
hey, what are you going to do? Make a decision. And, and, Go. And we're talking yeah. 45 plus minutes, yeah. I believe. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. There needs to be yeah. accountability for what happened. And I actually would say, and, and I think you and I don't ever rush to judgment on yeah. um, the law stuff, but I actually think the more that has come out, this makes the perfect argument for why you don't want guns only in the hands of police because yeah. some of these people are completely incompetent and who was it who went in there it was a border patrol agent who he took down the gunman yeah exactly dude. and and you need to have good guys with guns and, and you know so that says a lot for a board tack and he was a board tack eh? i knew he was. I was like i know that guy's got to be a board tack guy because those guys have balls of steel and, and but they're trained that way and the majority of them are have special operations background like I said, a lot of rangers from the 75th ranger regiment become bortac agents because they 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 that's just the next step one of my old teammates right. who i was uh who, who we worked on i was in my squad in uh, when at war toads their second range battalion is now one of the bortac supervisors he's and he is he's got balls of steel i've worked with them for years so I, brother, I completely agree with you on that one, uh, that we have to remain and keep ourselves armed and, and politicians living in a bubble in D.C. that have armed protection around. That's that's what's so, the, the, the hypocrisy. And I worked protecting diplomats and politicians. And the reason they went home at night is because they had guys like myself standing outside of perimeter, making sure nobody could get to them. And we yeah. had guns. You, you know who else may have been in that situation at the very high level, and I'm looking forward to hearing about it, is Tim Turner, because I don't know the story, but I have a picture of him that he sent me right next to Prime Minister Trudeau. So I'm guessing he's protected him at some point. I'll have to ask. I don't know the story. So. And, and that's, that's why it's such a – I don't see how people do not see that hypocrisy. Do not say, oh, we need to take away guns. And the people that are telling you this are being – and we've said it a million times. We're not the first ones that said it. We'll not be the last – you're being protected by people with guns that are willing to lay their lives down so you can go home, even though you probably don't deserve it, you scumbag politician, but we're there doing it. So you're going to take it away from the general public to protect their families and their friends and just innocents in the community. Man, I, I, where I live, I, I, I would be really, I, I would, I would be, if I was a criminal, I would dread the day if you tried to do something here where I live. Because there's there are people everywhere that are that are carrying here, and but there is nothing. I'm not worried about somebody shooting up the high school. I, you know, knock on wood, something like you know, guy, devil is the devil, and the devil just finds its way in everywhere at times. But I would you know bet dollars that yeah, we would we're not going to have that here. But I would bet dollars that if something did happen with a bad person with a gun, there would be a response from a civilian here that knows how to shoot. I mean, you got farmers out here know how to shoot better than a lot of us, <laughs> or just people that are trained and 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 they have gone through classes and carry and, and are willing to say, hey, no, this ends here. We're not waiting for somebody else. And like I said, my kid's school, uh, teachers carry there. It's a private yeah. school, so they're allowed to. And I, that was one of my questions when I went to take him to this. Hey, do you carry? I was talking to the and the, the principals actually come through battle line classes before. That's cool. So, so I said, hey, are you are you carrying? He goes, yeah like okay because yeah that's important so I, i'm with you brother I'm, I'm and i haven't really followed it but the story as far as the particulars until you sh you shot me the the article to read and it, it is kind of i don't scary. think i shot an article about that but was it the, maybe i just went into it because you sent me the press yeah. that's probably what i did and anyway I, but the uh, it's 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 it is it's sad and disgusting and 
but also there's just that- there's just more and more that's come out in the past week that's unbelievable. I mean, there are parents who went into the building and saved their kids, and they talked about what happened to the media, and the police are calling these parents and saying, "We don't want you speaking to the media because these parents are saying the police were incompetent." So hey. the whole thing the whole thing is a mess. I. I did want to get to one other article yeah, yeah. here yeah, yeah. because I sent this to you as well before we get to Tim, because I think this is important. And I don't want to say it's not being reported by the media because this is from CNN, but it's just one of those types of articles that's being, um, you know, not shared around, I guess. I, that's I found, the one I read. That's the article you sent. Me. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I found this from Michael Ames, um, who I've interviewed before. He wrote the book about Bo Bergdahl and um, very well researched, very uh if you look up Michael Ames' book, it's it's a very different narrative than what the media said about what happened with Bo Bergdahl. Maybe we'll get Michael on at some point. I mean, because also on the other hand of things, I've become friends with Matt Vierkan, who served Bo Bergdahl, who's entirely on the other end and didn't yeah, want to I'd be love to, I'd Michael love to have him. I wish he would come on. I'd love, I'd love to have both of them. I mean, I and I'm sure he would. I just, as you know, there's a list of like hundreds of people we need yeah, to have yeah, on. Yeah, but yeah, getting yeah. to the article itself, just because I think it's important. Um, this is America detained in Venezuela as attempted suicide. Uh, an American who's been detained in Venezuela for nearly two years has attempted suicide, his family said in a statement shared with CNN. Matthew Heath, a Marine veteran who was arrested in September 2020, is considered wrongfully detained by the U.S. State Department. He was rushed to a military hospital after attempting suicide and is now fighting for his life, according to his aunt, Trudy Rutherford. Rutherford said that the family received word about Heath's conditions on Monday morning through private channels, not from our government. And um, then the quote here from Rutherford is just last week on a conference call with three senior administration officials We warned them of our concerns about Matthew's mental health and physical well-being after nearly 22 months of wrongful detention. Uh, Matthew's life is in imminent danger, and we don't detect any urgency at all from the White House, Rutherford said, adding that she finds herself wondering how I will explain to his 13-year-old son that his father isn't coming home because the White House didn't think saving him was important enough. We are frustrated with the pattern of deciding not to decide at the White House, endless policy reviews, and empty platitudes about his case being a priority. We are aware of reports that a U.S. citizen was hospitalized in Venezuela, a State Department spokesperson said, due to privacy considerations, we have no further comment. And then the interesting thing is, it says, in her statement, Rutherford said the family had asked former Governor Bill Richardson uh, to get involved in my statement here that I'll add. If I were to reach out to any politician, it would not be Governor Bill Richardson. And that because this is the same governor of New Mexico yeah. who we know was spending a lot of time on Lolita Island with Jeffrey Epstein on the flight logs. I mean, this is confirmed. So I, I think this might be good. Good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bro. No, I'm go just going to say, I think up. this might be a guy who does not exactly have the best reputation right now trying to rehabilitate his, his uh, reputation by saying, look, I'm helping out this Marine. But either way, this should be taken care of. There is there is no reason we should allow veterans to be imprisoned in these places. And and as I said, I didn't hear about this story. I only heard about it because Michael Ames tweeted it out. I've not heard the president talk about it. And this is not just Venezuela. I know we have veterans all over the world who are being detained for things they didn't do. So. It's it's tough, man. And and being being one of those guys that I, I read the entire background and I I've done private stuff of course a lot secure in south america in south america and central america in particular and 
you know, one thing I always knew when I went in, because it wasn't under the government either. It wasn't government sanctioned. It was private stuff for private corporations or people. You always had, I remember going in, and this is this is my take on this with talking to the Marine. You always have a way out. Anybody, any of the other contractors, anybody, the other veterans that are going overseas, whether it's on vacation or whether it's for work or what, whatever it is, you always have to have still contingency plans. And I remember every time I went in, I had a return ticket. I mean, right there, it was in my hand so I could get to the airport if I needed to and get out of the country because one of the you're, we're trophies to be honest brother we are trophies in those countries if they find us and whether it's the truth and i don't know what this guy if he was actually doing what they said he was doing i mean i i i, I don't know i have no clue or if Me he neither. was just wrong place at wrong time but bottom line is i will tell all the veterans and this is from a veteran that worked in these countries uh, not under state department headings not under the u.s department of defense not with the army you always have contingency plans out. And it, I remember if I didn't have a contingency plan and I couldn't get to the airport to Costa Rica was an example. I worked there and that's, you know, that's pretty fairly safe for the most part, if you get to particular areas, but I also knew if I didn't have a condition, I couldn't get out of the airport there. I was going to go to Peru and have it. So I had plans. So if I had to hit the road, I could get out of there quick. Um, and uh, going into Venezuela though, that was a place that you just was a Venezuela, right? That he got, he got wrapped yeah, up in. Yes. Uh, that was a no-no. You don't, where's like, dude, stay away from there. Even if you have to float for another three days, you stay away from that area because if they find you in there, especially if you are doing something wrong or having a gun on you, wow, that there are countries I went into. I, 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 I wouldn't know. I couldn't bring a gun. I, I would either have, I have my knife in my wits and that was it. And if I could get a, a throwaway gun from a local, I would, but if they catch you with a gun there, you're done. You're, you're, you're sorry. You're, it, what happened to this Marine is what's that's what happened because they're just looking for an excuse. Again, whether you're there under legitimate circumstances or not, they're going to find a reason to keep you there because you, you are, look what you are. You're a trophy to them. We caught this American. He was running guns. He was selling drugs. He, and sometimes they are. And guys, if you're doing that, knock that shit off. That's stupid. But if you're not, Make sure you have contingency plans out of the country like that. Always have a return plane ticket from some airport locally that you can get to that you can just get there and go and be ready just to dump your gear and leave whatever you have to behind. And yeah, that's the, but that was also the draw of working in those countries. It was, it was, it was like that cloak and dagger double is, I got to get out of here. But yeah. that's the dangerous part is that if you do get wrapped up, you're, you're stuck. And the yeah. US government yeah. isn't really going to help you. The state department's not going to help you. Yeah, un unfortunately, no one heard it because we were having connection issues. We tried to record an episode last week with the two of us, yeah. but Chris was speaking about this very much more in depth. And yeah, it's interesting because we were talking about a different yeah. issue. But, well, the Ukraine. But, I mean, the Ukraine. Yeah. We can talk about a little bit. Touch on it. Just we, we got to get. We gotta get to oh, Tim. we got time. We'll but, do next week. We'll do but next yeah, week. It, either way, I mean, you're someone who speaks from experience on this stuff, so I do pe think people need to hear what you're saying on this. But with that, we're gonna get to Tim before we do actually i had a great late night workout and after i have a late night workout i don't want to start eating meals and all that it's like midnight yeah. i just do my bubs naturals with my my collagen protein my mct oil powder and i'm getting that post-workout protein in so i'm maximizing the effects of uh you know what what basically building muscle is you're breaking down the muscle fibers to build them back bigger and uh i had a, a minute there where i was um quite honestly 
falling behind on my workouts and I've definitely gotten back into it full force. And you know what, dude, I will tell you this, 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 this is interesting. I just got a physical done and you know how like your testosterone levels are supposed to go down every year after yeah. 30 and all that. Yeah. I know Bubs is not a, you know, testosterone supplement, yeah. but I can tell you, I've never taken testosterone. I've never taken steroids, obviously. I've never, honestly, I've never even taken BioPro as a former sponsor, but yeah. I've never taken anything that's a testosterone supplement. I've only taken these basic supplements and somehow on my blood test, my test levels are higher than when I was 29, <laughs> truthfully. <laughs> So, I mean, I think Bob's Naturals is a part of that, just taking the right supplements. And it's it's important with me. It's helped rebuild my t- my joints. It's helped, it's helped to really rebuild that. I, I don't know how you can do it scientifically, but all, all I can tell you is my joints don't hurt anymore. My jo- And I know Ned, our other, one of our other great sponsors, has a lot to do with that because of the anti-inflammation properties of CBD oil. But Bob's, I, I can tell you right when Bubs kicked in about three months in, I started to feel that difference. And then also rebuilding my gut because I said my, my, uh, my ulcerative colitis is complete remission. And I can attribute that a lot to diet and a lot to the collagen protein and the MCT oil rebuilding and promoting good gut health, which it does guys. I know it says there on the box, but it does. It's worked. I've been on Bubs for two years now and I, they, I will never get off it. I don't want to get off it because I'm worried if I do, I'm going to, my health's going to start to decline, which is to me, that is a good thing. Cause that says the product's working. And of course, giving back to the Glendora Memorial foundation, that just makes it a no brainer to take there. So sorry, Jennifer Aniston, you don't have the best collagen protein out there. Buzz naturals does by far. That's just that point blank. This is the truth. So. Yeah. Check them out guys. It's uh it's <laughs> buzznaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. You're going to get the best deal that way on all of their stuff. Fountain of Youth Formula, apple cider vinegar gummies, the MCT yeah, oil, collagen. Stuff. So, yeah, bubsnaturals.com. Promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. Also, very excited that we have back on with us and who are on with us every month, and that's uh, Beard Vet. They do great coffee, great beard oil, great merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Just excellent stuff in general. And actually, you guys should follow them on Twitter because they really do stay on top of everything that's newsworthy. They are news hounds in terms of like getting stuff out there that the mainstream media is not talking about. They have a huge Twitter following. I know you're not on Twitter, but But, so. But they do. They're all, and, and they do have huge veterans. There's their the other part of their their business is their foundation to support veterans. They do they yes. do a lot of stuff. They're tremendous, tremendous group philanthrop philanthropists definitely. And did you see that video or that picture where they showed the guy holding the Tonto vodka? The they look like Grizzly Adams, and I think so, it was yeah. awesome. I was like, that is so cool. So yeah, hats yeah. off to Team Beard. But those guys rock. They're, yes. they're amazing. So the, the Twitter is beard underscore vet. But yeah, check out their coffee roasted in the heart of America, yeah. Omaha, Nebraska. Traditional and unique flavors in ground, whole bean or grunt cups, K-cups, K-cup. and their beard kits. Uh, they select a veterans charity every month to give back to. 14th Hour Foundation has been yeah. a part of that. Sean is a Marine. This is a veteran-run company. A DAV lifetime member and equestrian helper. His wife, Amy, is an equestrian trainer. Yeah. Uh, so beardvet.com for all that stuff. The coffee, the beard oil, the merch. Beardvet.com. You guys are going to love it. So joining us for the first time on the show, and, and Tim, actually, before I give you an intro, I have to give a shout out to at Walper style on Instagram because wow. that guy's been a fan of like my work and, and podcasts I've done for years. And he came onto this podcast 
And months ago, he said to me, he goes, you have to get on Tim Turner. And he goes, I will pay you to get Tim Turner on the podcast. <laughs> I want you got it? Yeah, he goes, you got to talk about this Operation Pegasus jump. And and of course, I said to him, you don't have to pay me. We will get him on. I said, just support our sponsors. Buy something from one of our sponsors and we're even. And um, and he did. So I was like, all right. And, and then I saw your background and I was like, we would obviously have this guy. on. So Tim's background, Tim is a master sniper and Canadian Airborne Regiment combat veteran. I guess with me, I, I just want to start from the beginning, man. You know, what caused you to join and what was it like growing up when you first came up? And was that a decision you already had in your head? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going in the military. I mean, I, I didn't. So that didn't even pop into my head until college, really. And that was actually yeah. chosen for me because a, a, a really wily recruiter found me. And that's what caused me. But what, what was it like? And did you always want to join the military growing up or did it pop up later in life? Yeah, uh, my dad was Royal Navy submarines, and I went the opposite, went to paratrooping. But uh, funny that you say that. When I was about 12, I saw the wild geese. Okay, yeah. I hope you've seen that movie. Yeah. And that yeah, set yeah, the conditions yeah. is I want to be a paratrooper, and I want to be a free faller. <laughs> and uh, I stuck to my guns, and uh, when I was 17, I joined, 18 on jump course, straight to the uh, to the Airborne Regiment, um, to the commando, and then uh, then I got called up into Pathfinder Platoon within the regiment, which is uh, you know we do all the the good stuff, the free falling in, and um, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, then I was a lifer. I did twenty three years, um, and then uh, when I decided to pull pin, I uh, immediately got a job in law enforcement and joined the Alberta Sheriffs, and then uh, did twelve years with them, and just recently retired. Wow. So, so when you go in, do you have to, uh, do you get that slot or that way to that pathway, uh, that pipeline, or did you have to get a, like we, you know, I have to, here we have to have specific contracts that allow us to go to Rangers or to go to SF and, and really you want to have that done before you even go in. So that pipeline's there or yeah. the regular army is going to grab you and pull you wherever they need you. Or do you guys just, it just, Hey, this is, you're in and then you you're selected why you're because yeah. of your, your, your performance, whether it's in basic training, paratrooper, airborne school, paratrooper school, and so forth. How does that work within the Canadian yeah. military? I, I wish we kind of had that contract system and you could outline, uh, outline your yeah. entire career, um, but it is all ba- performance-based and, uh, and the will to do it. Um, but also it's positioning right place, right time, because you can have these guys that are total studs and not, they want to go that route, but because of some reason they got some other course that's high value. The unit's not going to let you go and move into the airborne stream. Um, but I don't know if you know a lot about our background, but the airborne regiment was disbanded um, after Somalia. And what had happened was we actually ended up with more paratroopers at the long run because we had the new special forces group set up because of this. So now we have all those guys qualified and then out of the three infantry regiments, each one battalion, the light battalion in each regiment also has a paratrooper tasking for one company. Okay. Wow. What happens is the COs are smart. So one company can wear the Maroon Beret and do airborne ops, but then the CO goes, right, we've got that company done. Now let's qualify the entire battalion. They just don't wear the Maroon Beret, but they're still doing airborne ops. So airborne. We actually have, we've actually quadrupled our airborne forces by disbanding the airborne regiment. 
And was that the plan? I mean, was that the entire plan from hire or, or did that just, that was just an after effect and like, well, screw it. We're already, we're already, the cane toads are already starting to multiply everywhere. Why don't we just keep, keep yeah. going? I, I think it was uh, just by chance that that happened, but wow. uh, you know, being an ex airborne regiment guy, a lot of airborne regiment guys are like, yeah, we lost the regiments. Like, yeah, but look what we got back from it. Yeah. Wow. Right. We were the legacy uh, from when the first Canadian parachute battalion, the original Red Devil or Black Devils, right? The, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, the, the USA Canada Arrowhead, that was yeah. us. Yep, yep, yep. So when that disbanded, then my home regiment, Princess Patricia's KLM tree, became airborne in the 50s and jumped into Korea. And then the airborne regiment was formed in 68. So then we took the colors from one Campara, became our colors for the airborne regiment. When the Airborne Regiment disbanded, our colors are now the Special Forces colors. So the legacy just kept going, just under a new name. Gotcha. I didn't know that. I, and I didn't know that you had disbanded after Somalia. Why, it was like 1993, 1994? Yeah, around 95, 96 it disbanded. Why? I didn't know. Well, Why did they do that? <laughs> back to the, uh, the gun conversation with uh, Rob. <laughs> The liberal government, right? They're like your Democrats and they wanted to get rid of the regiment. But because we had an issue over in Somalia um, with the torture, sure. that was just there. All right, let's launch. Now we can actually access unit. And they were stricken off the order of battle. You know, a lot of our listeners, and, and they know a lot about the U.S. military, not a ton about, you know, Kansas or the Canadian military, just even the regular units. Can you, and I, I know you weren't, at least I don't think you were there. If you were, that's even better. But can you go into that story a little bit or, or with the, the torture and what caused that? Because, you know, that was, that was, and that was during our, that was during the Clinton years too. So they right. were looking to, to axe what they could as well. And I'd say a lot of that responsibility of yeah. Black Hawk Down fell to Bill Clinton as well. Well, Chris, if, if I could jump in here with a yeah, really yeah. quick question, and, and I want to get yeah, to yeah, obviously ahead, your question, but it, isn't that also the time that they were literally paying guys not to serve in the Air Force? Uh, in the U.S. military? The I military? remember reading that under the Clinton years, that guys were being Gosh. paid not to be... I, I don't know, because, well, if I was in the Air Force, I, I don't know that. I, yeah, I just know okay, that. so I, side note there, and it could be well, right. I know, you. maybe they were doing it in the candidate. I don't know, were they no. paying people not? <laughs> we, but we, funny you say that, we had a thing called the FRP, Force Reduction Plan. Okay. So they were trying to, so the trades guys, they are like, hey, here's 100000 bucks, retire. Retire. Well, that was going on. I, they were doing the yes, early Yes, I think that, that's early. what I mean. I remember that too, yes. So all yeah. those guys had got their hundred grand. They got to retire. And then two years later, we're like, holy shit, we're short. We're going to pay you a hundred grand to rejoin. Hey, they, the, the government makes that's, that's the, there's the government at work again. I don't know how to see that the government doesn't matter what country you're in. The government is not full of the tar- sharpest tools, sharpest tools in the shit. They're just not. Everything's not. quick reaction, right? Like it's, it's all reactive. Yeah. We never think about it. It's just react, 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 band-aids. Let's see if we can stop this this massive hemorrhaging with a band-aid and then of yeah. course that doesn't work and we do it again and the, and the funny yeah. thing is all these guys uh <laughs> have high educations and probably have all these courses and critical thinking and nothing was critically thought 
Well, yeah. I, that's where I said the importance of street smarts is way important than the way more important than book smarts. I, 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 I want to make sure Chris gets his question answered because uh, I sidetracked that. But no, no, that's yeah. That's why we're doing when this, when you were right? asking about the Somalia stuff, yeah, yeah. I, I, back to what Chris was saying. You know, and, and, I mean, I, how, how much you know about that and all? Because I know very little. I just know what happened. Yeah, I, I, but. With the, the the torture the torture that went on or whatever you know the media wants to call it, can you go into that a little bit with the and how how that affected the the paratrooper regiments and why they caused them gave the gave the liberals an excuse to to yeah. to to disband them. Well, I wasn't there. I was posted back to my home unit uh, prior to that deployment, uh, which I say is for, very fortunate because that ruined a lot of guys' careers. Sure. Um, the regiment did so much over there, like with the deployment, they set up the most schools, the most feeding points. Um, they did all this good stuff and that got all thrown to the way of this. And then even if your name wasn't even connected to the incident, um, a lot of careers were ruined. Um, but anyways, that, that was just basically that incident is what gave the, the legitimate trigger by the government to go, we can ax an entire regiment without any pushback. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and a few bad apples spoiling, and that—that's the the old adage. But that—that's the truth. But to be honest with you, I, I, I hate that because a lot of these politics—they don't know what it's like on the. You don't know what you're facing. They have no idea what you're faced with. And, and I, I'm not a proponent of torture by any means. We, as military, especially special operations corps, if you're in any special operations unit, you have to have a standard of efficacy that's higher than yeah. everybody because of the things you're faced. But. Ian and I have talked about this before, and this is we we're talking about Russia and Ukraine. As wars go on, and as things and guys are on the ground, they're just human, and they're going to see more atrocious things, or they're going to see buddies die, or they're going to see the government not do what they need to do. And it, it just, it, I'm sorry, it, it sometimes it drives people to to not to madness. Well, a little bit. It yeah. drove me to some madness sometimes, and, and to do sure. wrong things and make wrong decisions. It just, but you got to have that profession. Like we're not the savages, right? And. No. Uh, you know, in Afghanistan, I was acting Sergeant Major when Sergeant Major went on leave and we're in this contact. It was like a six hour wow. uh, firefight. And uh, at the end of it, uh, we ended up doing a company right flanking. Uh, we got bogged down with some casualties due to some really sketchy ANA platoon that we linked up in the desert um, that we don't normally didn't normally work with. And they were supposed to be left on the right flanking because we had a nine platoon on fire base. We had eight platoon was uh, fighting their own fight. They were stuck. And seven platoon was going to be left up or right on the right flanking. And then an A and A platoon was going to be left on that right flanking. Oh, wow. So I managed to get those guys in position. Then I ran back to the fire base. And then a company two I see is like, hey, where's my guys? Well, the battle captain that's three kilometers back in the Argadog River is like, well, I see a bunch of call signs running towards me. So these guys not only ran away in battle, but they ran really good, like three kilometers back. So that bogged us down the attack. So we had to pull off position. And uh, then we just threw uh, JDAM downrange. Um, then we did our battle damage assessment, swept the objective. And believe it or not, we still had three guys left alive. So wow. This is a long way of going about. No, go. We've got time. Handling. Yeah, um, go. So when I had those three guys detained, you know, the job of Sergeant Major is safety uh, of these guys. So, of course, ear protection, eyes on, get them in the back of a carrier, got some air conditioning on, and I'm they're all wrapped up, but I'm feeding them water. And then 
our tactical questioners are going through them and then we're deciding who's an HVT, who we're going to fly back to Canar sure. and who we're just going to hand over to the ANA. So anyways, you know, it's funny when you tell that story to some civilians, like, why do you just like, you know, shoot them or, I'm like, or treat them like shit? I was like, no, because we're not the savages yeah. and they're under my care. Once they're captured, they're under our care. Yes, would they afford us that? No, but that's what but that's what makes it different. Yeah, that's what, right. Same thing. I, I tell people the same thing. I, I have not shot people that I probably could have shot because of what they were doing to us more often than I actually shot somebody. That's my. That's me. I that's don't know right. if that's you, but I, I would say that's probably ninety nine point nine percent of people within the military that have been in and have the and have had either the bad luck or good luck. Everyone look at it of being in altercations. There have been more no shoots because of efficacy, yeah. because it wasn't that's not how we act in the Western part of the world. We don't do that. Um, and especially within special operations and and the paratrooper units, you know, the, the higher end units, especially and, and the regular units. I'm going to say everybody that then we have pulled the trigger maliciously and and killed somebody, which was which would be murder on the battlefield. You know, yeah, because no, you're it, accountable for every round you release. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and it's funny, uh, same incident happened, uh, kind of incident. Uh, we were, we did three objectives one day and full company with ads and debts. We got our engineers with us dismounted, uh, vehicles are moving into blocking positions, all that good stuff. Um, and our rules of engagement changed because of the issue in uh, Iraq was Abu Ghraib. Um, the, the, was it that early on, like 2000, 2004, the Abu Ghraib? Well, this prison? was um, 06. Okay. But because there were some ongoing issues, we decided, the Canadian government, we're not going to hand over our prisoners to the Americans. We're going to give them to the Afghans. Well, can we think about the what's going to happen here? So I objected, but the, that's policy. So, again, what we do is we get our tactical questioners and if they're HVT, we send them to Kandahar, right, to coalition effort, and then the rest go to ANA. So <clears throat> we just have to have uh, journalists following us as well. So we go through, we're, we're pounding this one town with 155. Wow. We got the whole company in this ditch, you know, and, uh, you know, we're doing danger close. Frags are landing. The sun's like, holy shit. Um, so then the enemy, some of the enemy come running out of the, village but we're in the low ground they don't see us so they're running for what they know is cover yep. and they put on the binders holy shit a whole company of canadians <laughs> wow, but i was on the uh, left flank and then i get on the radio it's like hey sergeant major uh yeah the na want to kill these guys so i'm like hey roger that so work our way down pick them up bring them back so i give them to my combat engineers because they'll be traveling last in the order march on the uh, pushed forward so once we cleared that village um then we had our chance once we uh, reorg just sure. uh do a uh, tactical questioning so we handed a bunch of these guys off to the ana and then we're getting ready to push off onto the next objective as we're pushing off to the next objective what do you think we heard yeah boom 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 boom, boom. boom. AK4. Yeah. yeah 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 and i'm like uh, Right. And uh, yeah, sure enough, uh, three months after getting home, you get a call by our version of the NCIS type guys, uh, what we call NIS. 
and about the incident. I'm like, hey, and they're like, no, no, we're not doing anything. We're just following up. And so luckily nothing came of that. But I, when that happened, I'm like, I know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. But well, policy's policy, right? Well, and that's actually when you said that, I I'll, I remember because I went to a lot of the ANA prisons in, when I was in Kabul and when I was up in the in the in the uh, upper Panchir area, and then and you know up there even more so, they dislike because of Masood and because of his legacy, they really dislike the Taliban <laughs> more. Yeah. And those prisons, yeah, I I laugh because they were, I mean, they were torture facilities. They were, they were walking in an ANA or an Afghan prison where they were keeping the terrorists because we had to turn them over to them as well. It's like, I don't think we're doing these guys any It reminded no. me of a Rambo movie. It really, it yeah. reminded me of, it's like, either you see, but again, we go back to politicians. That is the no common sense, no street smarts of a politician, critical thinking but they have no idea what happens in the world. And especially they have no idea what happens within a combat area or war zone or what happens on the ground, or maybe they do. And do you think maybe they're just washing their hands of it? It's like, Hey, we know what's going to happen, but Hey, you know what? It's not our fault. So uh, do you, wh what do you, what was your opinion on that? Do you think that's what they were doing? They were actually. It's, it's absolutely that. That's what politicians, politicians do. My, my second career, when I left, I was executive protection for our premier, okay. which is your you talk governor. Yeah. 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 Right. And uh, so I went through five premiers in that time and you get to see how it operates and how it's everything's a quick reaction, a quick fix, a quick media hit. Right. And now with smartphones, they don't even have to use journalists. Now it's just like, all right, let's uh, get a backdrop and EA throws out the phone and off they go. It's a mad, yeah. Going, you know, your military career and, and uh, you know, that's, that's amazing. And I know there is your work and I actually was out in a, uh, a gecko base outside of Kandahar with GRS for quite a while. And it sounds like you were down in the Hellmend in all that province, which I, I knew you guys, you guys were doing great stuff. We were, yeah, we were all Kandahar South. Kandahar South. It's your Kansas guys. Graceland is what we call it. You guys yep, live. Or they, they, yeah. yeah, we, they could drink, right? I tell you, you oh, guys yeah. could drop drink us on the table. I couldn't even compete, but they were the coolest motherfuckers. They were they're, so. They're, they're good at what they do. They're <laughs> but um, doing all that, what was that transition and you're getting out of the military you've, you've done your time you've done it admirably you you've you've walked the walk you've talked you could talk the talk um what was it like moving on after that and then it was law enforcement and then executive protection or executive protection then law enforcement it, well the executive protection was law enforcement it was part of it's like our state troopers that guard our exactly. state troopers so when gotcha. we're in the states the state troopers drive for us gotcha and when this, they come up, we drive and we're their protection. We can carry in the States, but they can't carry up here. So, gotcha. yep, and yep. it's kind of an unwritten MOU we have. We don't build back because no team wants to be left alone in a, a terrain that they're unsure of. We still go do our advances, but we link up with them and they take us around and do our thing. Gotcha. gotcha. And then when we're international, we don't have, we don't, we're not carrying, but we use yep. uh, our embassy drivers and people to, to maneuver us. And they get you around. No, I, I got right. you. I, yeah, so I, I, it, it was funny transition to the sheriffs. Um, it's not, you know, policing isn't military and it's a dog eat dog world. You get there, you know, I'm leaving the army as a sergeant major with all these quals and armed combat instructor. And I just get qualified and they need, Hey, we need names for the defensive tactics instructor. I'm like, I'll do it. They're like, no, you just got here. You can't do it. <laughs> Right. And then 
the rest of the guys are like, I don't want to do that course because then that means more obligations. You have to go and teach, right? That you know, they're not as keen as the army guys. So then they force a guy on, and of course he didn't want to do it, and then he gets injured, and that unit didn't get an instructor. <laughs> wow. So what I did, as I always do, even in the army, I pay for courses on my own. Sure. Yeah. I, I took leave and paid for that course, and I was on the same course as the sheriffs. Oh my and God. I paid out of my own pocket. Wow. To make it happen. Anyways. But well, no, that, that's that's kind of how it is in the States too, bro. When I have my battle line courses, a lot of the cops, they're paying on their own dime. Yep. They, they, we don't, and to better themselves. That, that, that just sounds so familiar to what goes on. It, is. In the state. it really is. Man. Wow. It's very similar. Uh, I think the problems in even in militaries and policing around the world, it's the same issues. Um, but for executive protection, so I did the minimum of two years uh, patrol task and the guy running the executive protection, and I only joined the sheriffs to go to executive protection. That was okay. my goal, right? That's what I had in my mind. I'm going to get there and that's what I'm doing. So the guy running the unit used to be the staff sergeant running the Edmonton Police Tactical Unit. This guy's a legend. He's just okay. phenomenal. He rewrote that entire package there. So he's bringing the premier downstairs one day and he sees me. He's like, Tim, I'm like, John, he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, retired. He goes, I'm like, what are you doing here? Retired. All right. So he goes, we'll talk. Nice. And uh, so I got drafted up there immediately. And um, so work my ass off all these extra hours. We don't get overtime for extra hours. And I just went into that recon mindset of us. Go, go, go. We're working 18 hour days, one meal a day and dehydrated because you never know when you can go to the washroom and right and we're dealing with a very very difficult principle <laughs> um, so you know like in the army we we have c control even in battle you kind of have that control yeah that particular principle there was no control there was nothing that nothing happened like everything was out of your your mission statement and it was so frustrating did she but, think she needed you guys? Was she that kind of principal that she really felt that you guys were a burden uh, and she burden. didn't need the protection? I, 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 I'm asking because I, Total I, burden. I've been there, man. I understand. How did you work around that without literally I, 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 wringing her neck? And, and so hard to do. And all it's people hard. and the guys that are coming up to understand this, that the restraint, the, 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 the integrity that you have to have to work for somebody like that. Can you go through that a little bit and what went yeah. through your head? And maybe in one of your worst days, how did you get through that? Where you just didn't? You know, it, a lot was done. talking each other off the edge. Um, like my, my well, retired now, but my, still my current boss, he's a superintendent now in charge of protect all of protective services. And he always is like, he's like, Gunny, thanks for talking me off that ledge. I wouldn't be here right now, man. And he didn't have a military background. He just had policing. So, um, you know, I gave him that you know, good military talk one night at midnight as we're watching her drink, drink herself to death. Um, and you're bored as hell. <laughs> so yeah, you just, you just work through it. And the funny thing is, um, she got fired two and a half years into her term. That's why I went through so many bloody premiers, but she actually saved my job. So as much as I hated her and she was horrible, she was so bad that even the cleaners in the in the legislature wouldn't come in the wing. She affected the people all of them. But anyways, so I was only seconded to the unit, and uh, 
And then Bruce, who was in charge of the unit at the time, um, he was the superintendent. He calls me in the office, and this is just after we just did the big election cycle. And I'm like, I know where this is going. He goes, yeah, you know, Tim, you're doing a great job, but the position's going to be given to Calgary, the other city that's south of us. So they have a south and north team. And inside, I'm just like, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, Roger, that Bruce understood. You know, um, really enjoyed my time here. And if the position comes up, love to have it here. And it's like, yeah, hey, you know, appreciate that. And then I leave the room all disgruntled, like, ah, got to go back to patrol. So the very next day, I'm gearing up and uh, I'm in the hallway. And the premier comes in. Okay. But now I'm in a hard uniform. And she goes, Tim, I'm like, morning, premier. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, this is my job. Literally, 10 minutes later, I get a phone call. Go take your shit off and come report <laughs> She called the chief directly and went, I want this guy in my unit. Well, so, you, obviously, you had a positive effect on her, or she, at least she she knew that you were, and that says a lot for your your your, your moral courage, dude, and your integrity, is that it's hard to want to take a bullet for somebody like that. But obviously she recognized that. So I, right. I, I mean, or, or, and maybe you just would get, bring her more whiskeys than the other. I don't know. No, <laughs> the fact that I was very Sergeant Majory, very whoop, roger that yeah. and got her in, in that mode and yeah. no emotion. No. Um, but the, the, the bad side of it was, is I ended up being one of her favorites. So I was always the team leader bodyguard. And I never got a break going on advances. Like if you're on advance team, at least you're not around her. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, That's yep. funny. No, no, you, you're right. You, you get there, yeah, you, and then you can kind of disappear and until the end of the night, and then maybe do the QRF on the way back or wherever. Yeah. I, no, I, I feel you. But if you're that yeah. PSO or that bodyguard, right? That the, the, the whatever you want to call it, they're calling now. Man, yeah, you you get no breaks, and you are not just a protector, but in some instances, and I've seen that, and I've even been part of that, been taken advantage of. You become kind of a chogi boy a little bit too, yeah. And it, that sucks. That's it terrible. Does. It's it awful, does. and and you become that confident. You know, yeah, you know, like if she was always needy and always wanted her someone around her at all times. So if the EA wasn't around, and I'm you know in my positioning. And as soon as he would leave, then I would position up so she could talk. Yeah. Right. And then as soon as that person's back in the picture, you're nothing again and you're back here. <laughs> so I was taking her into Afghanistan and the team, the other team had her in India. So I linked up in India to do transition there and then gave them their medical training and safety briefs. And then in Afghanistan, we weren't going to be armed. We were going to fly there and have Canadian Forces uh, executive okay. protection team as okay. our guys and gotcha. i'm like damn i'm going back to afghanistan with no gun this sucks <laughs> so anyways uh after i did the bit of ttc with these guys uh with the chief of staff and all her peeps uh they were like you know wide-eyed now and listening right <laughs> so the next day what had happened was an ied took out three canadian civilian ngos wow. uh, in the area that we were going to visit so they called it off but I explained to them, I said, well, look, this is rare that what's going to happen to us, you know, we should push forward. So I have to say they, that was the only good decision she made because I didn't, I looked at that as an army guy, like, Hey, you know, this isn't going to affect us. We're going to push on. But politically it was like, well, how's it going to look if I show up a day after two, three Canadians were killed 
and I'm here like, hey, look at me, everybody. So yeah. that was a good thing. But the <laughs> the problem for me was at that point, I lost the rest of my team. And it's like now because we were because after Afghanistan, we were going to Switzerland. Okay. To hand off to that team. But guess what? Now we're not going to Afghanistan. Oh, let's go do an impromptu in London. No advance, no team members. Wow. And I was like, I, I, it, it, the, 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 having a good security officer like yourself, and I hate to say it, but it, it makes the protectee get that nonchalance that I'm safe everywhere. But in your head, you're not, that just makes your job harder because now you're having to scramble and protect them even though you have no, no Intel, no, and no advance. That's awful. Having no advance, nobody there. Oh, and, and, I, and I, I didn't know what hotels we're going to, because now it was her people booking everything. Not and they don't think of security. Limited. They don't think of security. They no. think of five-star restaurants. Where's the best bars? Maybe if they're a clubber, where's the best places to go hang out? And they yeah. don't think anything about security or traffic or even just traffic, just getting yeah. around how the times. They don't think nothing about it. And because this was an unofficial visit, we had no embassy support either. So it, wow. I was literally on my own. And <laughs> so we're in the airport waiting for our bags. Secretary assistant, P, myself, and the chief of staff. And you know what London's like. It's, it's There's not many of us looking people there. Right. <laughs> we get our bags, dress nice, and we're going down the hallway to go to the taxis. And then I'm hearing the border security, sir, sir. I'm like, Ugh. turn around. I'm like, yeah, what do you need? And she just book and she's going, and she won't stop for you. So I'm like, she's going to get in a taxi. I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to lose my principal. The premier, wait, wait, is it the premier or the chief of staff that's going premier. towards the taxi? The premier's going towards premier. the taxi. That's and, what? And, and I'm st stuck talking to border security. <laughs> and we were waiting for bags to like the last minute. And, you know, cameras are on you. So how did you pick me as the security issue? Did you have a long shirt on? If you didn't, maybe that was it. I did. I was in a suit. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. So I don't know. Like, anyways. And I hate badging when I don't have to badge. And she's just going and she's like a double fast walker. So I'm just like, boom, this is who I am. This is what's going on. And I'm out of here. And he's like, oh, sorry, sir. And off I went. Uh, but anyways, the rest of the story worked out great. Uh, she was actually pleasant. And we just toured London. And then once the executive assistant was back, uh, it was uh, it was a nightmare again. And then, wow. then <laughs> I, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you about something in regards to executive protection. I've been meaning to ask, and I want to make sure I get it in here. Will you, you know, very graciously, and I appreciate, sent me a lot about your background, and, and so I felt very well prepared to have you on. But you sent me a few photos, and there's a photo of you right next to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I figure that has something to do with executive protection. Yeah. I need to know the story behind that one. So, um, so I'll, the province I live in now is British Columbia. I'm on a Vancouver Island and it's just beautiful out here. And I lived in Alberta. So Prairie Boys, we're the third largest oil reserve in the world. Wow. Right. So we're basically a superpower that the government, government will not let us be one. So we have a lot. That's why we fly around the world a lot because of our oil. And, and that's our and our strategic uh, security issue as well, right? That's why we're yeah. so well um, secure with our premier. 
So we link up a lot with the prime minister's detail. There, there are CMP Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Um, okay. So you know, just do your coordination. So that that particular picture is with another female premier, Premier Notley, and uh, so we linked up with his detail, and off we went. So that's that, that particular picture. Um, so that's always fun dealing with that. <laughs> but funny story, uh, I'm the number one, and I link up with their number one, and we have these. In Canada, paratroopers, we get our jump wings here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he sees my two commando tattoo. And my son has his jump wings with his unit, 3VP. And the number one with uh, Trudeau, he's got a set of wings. But he sees the two commando, which is, you know, before his time. And he goes, are you Nick Turner's dad? I'm like, yes, I am. I'm like, how do you know Nick? And he goes, we served together in Afghanistan. I'm like, holy shit, this is a small world, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I tell you, I, it, it, to me, it, it's all these politicians and the guys that protect them. And, and, and this, the differences in, in ideologies and, of course, political. It, it's it's just kind of funny to me. And I was in the same boat. It's it's like a game. It, the hypocrisy of 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 them making decisions on guns and all this and, and, and denying people guns. But then you have these guys that are surrounding you, probably the most well-trained guys with guns that are protecting you. It just, it, it's amazing that they still have that mindset that, that, you know, the, the, the gun's the problem when it's, when it's not, I guess I, before I do want to talk about you and your son, but I wanted to, to get your opinion on that because you're in Canada and, you know, and, and speaking to Rob as well with that, what is the future of Canada and, and guns and gun control and or not gun control? Is there a hope that you guys it's going to loosen up or is it going to get worse? I just I guess I just want your opinion. And because you have protected, that's something that is a big deal. You've protected people that are making those decisions and you've protected them willing to lay your life down for them. And also you've protected them with guns that you know how to use very well and that you've never used except in self-defense or in the, it's a mission to to accomplish the mission against the terror against terrorists or the Taliban. So what is your view on that brother? And, and then we'll stay out of politics. We'll get it. But I, I really sure. want to know because it's, it's it just, it, it still boggles. It boggles my mind how they think. Well, I have to say um, all the premiers I've worked for appreciate firearms and uh, <clears throat> all my, all my, out of the five, I only had one that was uh, like your version of the Democrats. Uh, called the NDP. Uh, it's called okay. the New Democratic Party. They actually used to be the Communist Party in the 20s, so <laughs> take it from there. Um, but uh, they all appreciate it. And the last one who is uh, the, the last the guy who's the current Premier of Alberta was the guy I worked for, uh, Premier Jason Kenney. He's amazing man. He was federal, and he was uh, Minister of Defense at one point. Wow. So he's worked with JTF and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So he wow. appreciates the army guys. And, and my, the unit gave me the nickname Gunny because um, my sergeant major background is an American term, as you know, not in Canada. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Were you in the Marine Corps? Why are they calling you yeah. Gunny, man? I was it's just, you know, um, well, John, who uh, got me into the unit, he just call, started calling me Gunny and he'd call my wife the gun queen. <laughs> um, now so was that just, because uh, of guns or because you were he were you reminded him of a gunny of hardcore gunny sergeant yeah, because i'm always high and tight like right now this is the yeah, longest my hair's hey, been in a hey, while don't knock it dude come on yeah, that's a good look right 
work. I'm going to the barber today, actually, because uh, my son's getting married on Saturday, so I'll be high and tight. Oh, right. Congratulations. My, son, my son's the opposite. His hair is like Air Force guys down to here, big beard. Anyways, um, yeah, so he's all about farms and all that good stuff and uh, actually gone to the range with him. Uh, so one of my airborne buddies, he owns uh, one of the biggest shooting ranges in, uh, in Calgary, the shooting edge. And uh, so I take him down there and we've been uh, blasting guns there. And uh, yeah, it's called the shooting edge, James Cox. Shooting edge. And uh, gotcha. anyways, yeah, he just loves it. And he took his firearms course and went hunting and yeah, he just loves it. Now, for the firearms thing in Canada, like we had a very controlled system to start with. Like you had to be registered. You had to take a, you have to take a course. You have to get your firearms right. certificate through the RCMP for non-restricted. I'm sorry. I was just going to also say there's also that video that's been very viral. Um, at least that I've seen going around on Twitter with Justin Trudeau saying, and I was unaware of this, you know, just being an American that, self-defense is not a reason you're allowed to own a firearm. You're only allowed to have one for the purpose of hunting, uh, that type of thing. If you say, I want to own a firearm for self-defense, it will not be permitted, at least according to what your prime minister has publicly stated. Well, that is true because in essence, the way our firearm laws are, um, you're not allowed to carry um, a pistol around, right? You have to have a ATC to, tr to, um, um, I forget what the, the terminology is, uh, transport, carry, authorized transport, carry. So if I'm going to the range, I have to apply for the ATC and say, I'm going to go to the range today. So I okay. lock it up, put it in my car, go directly to the range, come directly home. Now that ATC wow. is good for a year. So you don't have to keep applying every time you want to go. Now for long guns, shotguns, uh, non-restricted, yeah, you've got that weapon, but you can't just take it out and uh, use it. Everyone's in, in our charter, everyone has the right to self-defense, right? And the definition mm -hmm. of a weapon in our um, charter or in our criminal code is anything. So this is a weapon. Microphone's a weapon. Wow. So tricky ground. So it's almost the way it's more cr criminal friendly, right? If you're... Yeah. If a criminal, if you hit that criminal first, you're the one charged with assault. Wow. Right? So you, like for an army guy, it's easy because we know rules of engagement, use of force, different levels. Appropriate action for the appropriate. Um, force well, force escalate, it's an escalation of force. Force, yeah, right. force. Yeah. So that's basically how ours runs. So if you hit the guy in the head with a hammer and he just had fists. Well, obviously you're, that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Even though you knew your life was on the line, you wow. can't step that up. Wow. It'd be hard to argue that. Wow. So do I think this will get better? Well, right now uh, the liberals are in bed with the NDP and that gives them a majority. So of course they're going to push this through. Um, and they're stuck in there till 2025. We can't change anything.
So, but if if there's a new prime minister or a party that's more conservative or more gun friendly party, then it can be it can be changed. It's just like they can. In essence, they can. Now, in our individual provinces, the same thing can happen as well. So, right now, Alberta, we're like the Texas of of America. <laughs> that's all. Our premier is challenging that, and he's going to overwrite that and have his own fire chief firearms officer for the province. So they'll be able to do their own thing and still use pistols. Okay. I, I think the problem is the same thing Rob Furlong said, though, when he was on with us. And, and you were saying you checked out the episode with Rob Furlong. But the, the big difference is Canada does not have a constitution like ours that clearly states that you have the right to keep and bear arms. I mean, uh, the interesting thing, and I think people take granted, take it for granted in America in the Constitution, I mean, we're really like the only country yeah. that even has an absolute right of freedom of speech. I mean, you, there yeah. are certain books that if you were to publish in other countries, I think even including Canada, you will be jailed. I yeah. mean, my background, as Chris knows, I've said it on, mm-hmm. on the show before. I'm Ashkenazi Jewish. I have ancestors who were in the Holocaust who survived the Holocaust. But in America, you have the right to, to write a book denying the Holocaust. I think it's absolutely stupid, but you have that right. In other countries, you will be put in jail because we are the only country with an absolute right to freedom of speech, as far as I know, and an absolute right to bear arms, although that is certainly being changed by the minute here, because just like the position you're in, we have the Democrats in control of everything for all branches of government right now. And uh, as you said, things can't change till 2025. We're kind of stuck with what we have until 2024. And because of these incidents going on that really have nothing to do with law-abiding gun owners, they're going after the law-abiding gun owner. And and they're Chris could speak to this better than I can, but they're moving goalposts every two seconds because yeah. it was originally, you know, what they call assault weapons, and I'm using the air fingers quote, assault weapons ban. But then more recently, we've seen Joe Biden say, we're going after nine millimeter bullets. We're going, you know, so they keep changing what they're going after. Yeah, it's... Um... They keep moving that, that goalpost. And I really feel bad for your country because your country is special. And with those all those checks and balances, because they left a tyrannical government. Now what's happening in your government is tyranny is happening. Yeah, tyranny. Yep, yep. And it's so extreme and happening so fast yeah, that America doesn't look America like America anymore. My sister's, a, my sister's an American citizen. Uh, she moved down there uh, like 30 years ago. She's a Texan. And they're, they're, they're afraid. And she married a Texan and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're afraid. Yeah. It, I, 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 as far as looking at it, um, I, I do think they'll continue to try. I do think there are a lot of governors though, just like your provinces, there's a many more except for the, the completely blue States, California and New York. And, um, I wouldn't even say, honestly, Illinois is a blue state. Chicago is blue, but, I think majority of the governors are, are like your Alberta governor. Like, no, we're done. Even some of the Democratic ones, not the not the crazy left liberal, but the ones that are the Kennedy yeah. kind of Democrats. Yeah, I think you're we, thinking of like Joe Manchin, West Virginia, yeah, to, and, and even our one in Kansas here. She's a, I think she's the one that even said, "Now we're done with the mask. We're done. We're done with it." I think a lot of them are starting to even push back as well because they're seeing that once we lose these freedoms, whether it's this one, they're going to go after something else and they're going to go after another freedom and another one. And, and I think a lot of veterans help by saying that because of the countries that we've worked in, like we went to fight against tyranny. We know what countries look like under tyrannical rule. 
yes, maybe Libya and Iraq were better off with dictators because there are terrorists everywhere and you can't control terrorism, but that's not here. And that no. doesn't work with a free country. And that's what makes us so special. And, and I'm, I'm with you, right? That's why I guess I just wanted to ask that, but we'll, we'll, we'll get away from that. Now we, we beat that horse mm-hmm. down. Um, I, I started, how was that with your son? I mean, the story with your son, you and your son being in the same, was it the same unit you guys were, you were yeah, in? And same he was, regiment. He was same in a different, he was in a different battalion. So how that, how did that all work out? And what was that dynamic there with, with you guys, especially when he, he made it and, and how was that on a father watching your son and be like, oh, Amazing. shit, he better, he better make it. Or was it, this is awesome. Or like that, you better not make me look bad sort of. It, it was amazing. Um, uh, so anyways, we didn't, ra- I didn't raise him to go into that stream. I just wanted him to do his own thing. So, but I was taking him out shooting. I was taking him out doing survival exercises when he was 10 <laughs> and, you know, so I basically set him up for failure for sure. And, and hearing me talk about, uh, you know, the, our version of, the, of a pogue and, uh, it's like, I don't want to be that. Um, and then, you know, I would, you know, have some courses I'd run because I was at the battle school. Um, you know, I'd have the troops over for a beer and, you know, at that time he's only, you know, four years younger than these guys, six years younger. And then when we get, go back to battalion, same thing. I got troops over, like I'm an old punk rock guy and my son's a punk rock guy and, you know, we, and uh, my troops. So they come over for a beer and, you know, at that point, then Nick's only two years younger than these guys and they're talking. So when he's about to graduate, he's like, Hey dad, I'm going to join the army. I'm like, Oh, cool. Inside. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, so what are you going to do? And inside I'm like, infantry, infantry. infantry. <laughs> he's like, dad, there's only one trade infantry. I'm like, Roger. So, yeah, so he went to my unit. Um, I was deployed when he graduated, so I didn't get to be there. And the Prime Minister Harper, our conservative, he was at the grad and got to present his cat badge, so that was kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, then he just went up through the system really quickly. Guy's a stud, and, uh, you know, he's topping all the PT tests. He went on jump, gets called uh, Thursday night. Um, Hey, jump course PT test in the morning and he's out just pounding them. He gets it up for the morning, just kicks it out of the park and off they go. And again, yeah. I was, a, I was the when he was on that. Aren't those Remember those days where we could do that, where we yeah. could drink all night and actually even maybe go run drunk and then get up and still hammer a PT test. Those, yeah. I remember those days, man. That now was I'm down for time. a week. I know. I know. After, after one, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm out. I'm dead. But, uh, so, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just you, you brought back so some he, memories. Uh, so he ended up doing these big competitions. We do like this thing called the Ironman uh, military Ironman. It's like 32 kilometer rucksack march wow. with a 10 kilometer paddle and a five kilometer portage with all that stuff. Wow. And he came in third for the privates in the brigade. So that's pretty good for yeah. his first go. And at the time, he's only weighing in at like 150, and he's got wow. all that kit. Yeah. Wow. So. Anyways, he went into the recon stream and then I prepped him for a sniper and took him out with doing camera concealments and, and prepped him for recce course, uh, gave him, you know, all the AFV recognition, rope work, knots, climbing, all that good stuff. Um, we used to get him prepared. And uh, then he got in that airborne stream and got on jump master right away, then parachute instructor, um, wow. free fall, free fall JM. And uh, then he was Canadian Forces Airborne Soldier of the Year. He um, he traveled, eval- evaluated, um, put together the 
how to free fall with the 50 caliber sniper rifle. They've never been done before, even in the tier one units. And uh, he managed to get that done. So that got him that accolade. Um, then he served in a wheat in Afghanistan. I was supposed to be on the same mission, but wifey wouldn't let it happen. We wouldn't be in the same platoon, um, but me, I was just like, at least if I'm in the terrain, at least I, I think I might have some influence. We know we don't have any influence on what's going to happen, but uh, it was a good call of my wife for us not to go because that was the first time I got to realize what she went through because I was a basket case the whole time he was deployed. I, I was going to ask you, I, I was actually, the next question was this, how, how was it? Yeah. As a father, now you're, he's deployed. What, what was, what was that like? And I mean, you kind of said it's a basket case. Is there anything specifically or a story you have where you just were beside yourself and how'd you yeah. deal with that? I was doing stupid shit. Like I went and bought myself a new sniper rifle and that would be, that's, that's Nick, right? <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I spent like five grand on this new gun and, uh yeah to replace them and uh yeah just stupid shit like that right you, you got you got to be you got to be able to handle i mean get that stress out somehow man i that's why i my son when he says dad i don't want to be a ranger uh he but he wants to go to the ca so i i'm conflicted there a bit <laughs> but it honestly i i don't i i don't know what it's going to feel like because i think he will eventually join something he's only 17 to senior years next year oh, yeah, tons of time uh, he's got 10 but even with him saying, Hey, I, I don't want to be a ranger, but I want to go to the agency or this. I, I, I even having the thoughts of him going overseas. Now I, I honestly now know what I put my, my, my mother through and my, my father through. And, and it, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not a nice feeling if, when it's on the other, it's that worry. You know, but, um, it's, it's a testament to my wife. We've been married 39 years and that's awesome. an anomaly in the infantry. Yes. That's and awesome. That's incredible. Um, but she's amazing. But, Man, like she can handle that shit better than me. I'd rather be deployed than have my son go over. But, um, and then same thing during my second protection, she was in my saving grace too. Like I'd be in China and I was like, I'm out of money and we're totally uh, on throw away everything because of the um, security issue, right? Because they, they hacked into the FBI mainframe uh, when oh, the FBI bad. deployed there at one point. So we had to go over there with all clean electronics. So I was going through a Hotmail account and I'm already 20,000 in and my government card is done. And uh, so I had to get her to talk to her, to talk to my boss, to put more money on the government card. So put another 30 grand on it. And uh, yeah, so she's amazing. Uh, that's but um, that's my son, uh, yeah, so he went back over in uh, 2011 with his snipers and ended up uh, all by themselves, um, stuck in a camp with Italian Airborne uh dudes and uh yeah he wasn't very impressed because they yeah, were they were they were treating the afghans like shit and my son was like what the fuck are you guys doing like we're here to help and like this is how you're going to get a fucking blue on blue and that, and honestly that's as well too is that being like that you're creating the next generation of i used to tell some of my my partners that too that were always angry and always even treating civilians like shit it's like guys I, I get it. I get that you don't know who's, but you have a spidey sense of who's good and who's bad. And if you're treating this guy like shit and those little kids are seeing, we are creating the next, we're creating our enemies, our next enemies yeah. right there. Yeah. And that's why the, the values, I mean, I, the army values, I know they're out there. It's cliche, but it is integrity, it is. duty, honor. That's, 
live those things. They're not just spoken words. They're stuff that we have to live by. And that's what, again, going back full circle in the beginning, that's what makes us, us and not the Taliban and not ISIS. And uh, it it is, but that being said too, it is hard to control those emotions when you're seeing buddies die or you're seeing over years and you're, yeah. you're just seeing bad things happen. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing playing both cards there. I, my next question, I did it. And it's more lighthearted. Did your son, because of who you were, did he have any, did the drill sergeant or anybody take exception to him because of his last name? And yeah. maybe he had to go through a little bit more hazing than others. Yeah. And cause I, I, I'll be honest with you. If I was a drill, a drill instructor, I would have done that to him. I'm like, Oh, so that's your dad, huh? Yeah. All right. So did 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 he have any things that he would tell you? Be like, Dad, oh, damn it! You get extra, extra, you know, as we say, cock um, <laughs> over everybody else. And uh, funny because it's like, you know, guys are like, Tim Turner's your dad. That guy's a fucking legend. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> so let's go. Let's so let's go. Uh, uh, Twelve years ahead. And I'm my sniper partner. Uh, we we always get together on Remembrance Day, and we end up at his house. He has drinks and troops sure. come and all that good shit. So I'm at my sniper partner's house, and of course, it's all snipers there, right? So it's all the new young fellas. And uh, Ben introduces me to these guys because Nick is already pararescue now, so he's in Nova Scotia, so he wasn't there. And those guys are like, "Holy shit, you're Tim Turner's dad? <laughs> Nick Turner's a fucking legend." And, <laughs> Look at my sniper partner. He's like, you're now father of the legend. You're now father of the legend. <laughs> you, your time has passed. You are just yeah. a nobody sitting on your rocking chair. But that's, I bet as a father. I'm fine with that because our responsibility as parents is to make your kids better than you. Better than you. Yep. Just like when you're training your soldiers. You, I want my soldiers to be better than me. Yes. Right? Yeah. Or else yes. you're a shit instructor if you don't want them better than you. Exactly. And, yeah. Or a shit dad. And uh, so, yeah, now he's a legend in the pararescue trade. So it's like, yeah, I'm so proud of him. It's amazing. That's, that's awesome. so cool. That That's that's an awesome story. And I think people dig that. And and I know, especially for Chris, family is so important. And yeah. for you to be a guy married for decades, have a great relationship with your father, yeah. I mean, with your son and him have a great relationship with his father, I think it is something that this audience could really take something from. Um, I, another thing I, I want to make sure we get to, which is really why you're here and why I booked you for the end of June, um, is because next month in July, you're doing this major event called Operation Pegasus Jump. So July is Operation Pegasus Jump. You're going to be skydiving with other veterans and first responders. And this is basically a healthy outlet for guys with post-traumatic stress, for guys with acute stress disorder. It's staffed by uh, retired airborne soldiers volunteering wow. their time. And you have a goal of raising uh, raising um, $50,000. But right now you're at $13,000. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have the link in the description, the GoFundMe, which is GoFundMe.com slash F slash Operation dash Pegasus dash Jump. I know it's a lot to remember. It'll be right there in the description, though, if you guys want to donate. But this this is awesome. I mean, Chris and I often talk about whether it's guys going out for a run, going to the gym, doing stuff like CBD, or in this case, something more extreme jumping out of a plane and uh you know parachuting but i i know for you you know you talk about in the description of this guys need to do something that's positive that's high stress that could really be a great outlet for that aggression a lot of veterans are feeling yeah it's um it's it's really a neat initiative so the owners the two owners one uh, was my boss in pathfinder platoon 
guy's a complete stud. And, uh, and the other owner, uh, Bob, is a, a retired sergeant major from Pararescue. He's 71, that guy, Bob. And he's still jumping every day with like a poncho liner, like a 138 square foot canopy. It's ridiculous. So he's coming in like 50 kilometers an hour. <laughs> guy's got balls of steel. And his son, Legacy, is a warrant officer in Pararescue. So wow. um, who started off in our regiment. So it's kind of a neat uh, thing there. And then um, we have five ex-members of the Skyhawks parachute team, which is your equivalent of the Golden Knights. Oh, wow. wow. And, we, okay. and we have two right now from our drop zone that are on this year's team. So that adds to our to our uh, repertoire. And we also have serving members that are going to be instructing on this as well. We have uh, a Navy uh, girl from, uh, from uh, Victoria, and uh, she's got a couple of deployments. Uh, and she was on the Skyhawks as well. Uh, master sailor. And um, so, yeah, we got a lot of good experience. So the concept of ops is to, you know, expose these guys to a stressful uh, situation and a fun situation to get them back into that adrenaline rush when they were deployed, get them back into that tempo. Because as we know, a lot of people have got out and if they just got an average job they're now their tempo has gone from here yeah. down to here. So they've got that something's missing. That brotherhood and sisterhood is missing. So they're not sharing adverse conditions anymore. They're not working at that extreme level. So by doing this, it's going to get them back into that mode. So a couple of things are happening here. We're training them to deal with stress, stress management. That's what they're dealing with with PTSD every day. But the bigger thing is bringing all these pe different people together from Air Force, Navy, Army, different trades. They're all going to talk with each other, make new friends, but they're all, but then more importantly, they're going to realize, holy shit, you're having the same issues I am. So I'm not the only guy that's feeling this way, or I can't sleep, or if it's too hot, I, I get ramped up. Um, so that way, these guys are all going to feel like, wow, yeah, okay, I'm not alone. I have this. And then they can wow. build a new network on top of that. And then hopefully, if, if these guys enjoy skydiving, when they go home, they can go to their local drop zone and continue their training and that's have cool. a good act, positive activity. That's cool. And at the end, when they hit, I, I'm sure there's current activities. Once you guys all hit the, hit the, uh, hit the landing zone, everybody hits the LZ. Are there stuff that's going to go on after like just, you guys going to have a little, go out and have a few drinks, going to have barbecues uh, and stuff like, cause that's, I, I think that's part of it as well. The, the oh, after time. So, you know, we're going to do, um, uh, the first day is just registration, and then we're going to have a uh, big barbecue meet and beat, cool. right? And um, that'll be fun. And then the staff, we're going to jump in. We're going to do a two-plane formation and jump in and jump the flags and all that good stuff and uh, meet everybody on the ground, do our barbecue meet and greet. Then the next day, training starts. So it'll be a long day. Uh, the first rotation, we have about 49 people to push through. Wow. About nine tandems, so that leaves us with 40 39 to 40 troops to train. So we're going to do sections of nine and start every 45 minutes. So it's like a round robin. So you go from one stage to the next. And then the first crew will be up and airborne by 1430 that day. And then the last crew probably be around 2000. For you, it's going to be an extremely long day because you're going to have to keep going popping yeah. yourself back into the rotation. To, to and normally when they're, when we're pushing out students on, uh, on pilot shoot, right? Um, we usually jump off the last guy, but we're going to have to air land and then get the next crew ready. So quick turnaround. So we won't be jumping as much as, uh, as the staff will do the last jump of the day. Uh, then the next day, what's going to happen is, um, they can continue jumping again if they want, 
or, and we also have our um, visitor services coming out from Campbell River, give them a package of, hey, this is what you can do in the area. There's all sorts of things, you know, whale watching and climbing and mountain biking. We have mountain biking right beside the drop zone. Um, and then the last day is more jumping if you like, or go just do your family vacay. But when you come back, we're going to do a big, um, you know, wings parade. So if you just do your normal jump course, the drop zone at the end of the day, it's like, here's your certificate. See ya. See. Right. Yeah. We're going to form these guys up in three ranks. We told everyone, bring your headdress, your berets, whatever, um, whatever headdress you guys had in whatever particular unit, line them up in three ranks present them their certificates and we made up a set of wings for that mission. Cool. That's so awesome. On a patch, they can put it on everywhere and do their thing. So you're coming back with that, that, that military field being formed up, getting presented. And on that, on that rotation, rotation one, what's happening on that very last day that I'm describing is rotation two is coming in bound and they're signing their waivers. So that night is going to be a big barbecue steaks and all that good stuff. Jeez, yeah. So now Roto One gets to meet Roto Two, talk about their experience, and meet these guys and friends who you know they couldn't link up on the same Roto. And uh, we're also dedicating the drop zone. To, we're going to call it Drop Zone Remembrance, and we're bringing out the local legion. Pipes and drums are coming out. The uh, the local uh, native chief is going to come out and bless the drop zone. That's cool. So that'll be pretty pretty spectacular. And then what happens is. Then each consecutive roto is basically the same format minus the DZ dedication at the end. So really, I mean, you're 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 just kind of giving them their own set of Canadian jump wings when they get done. Yeah. So the done. Uh, the logo that we're that we've developed is basically kind of kind of like different set of wings, yeah. square canopy. Um, it's got a commando knife and then the Pegasus in the center. That's cool. Uh, that sounds like awesome. That that sounds like a. I mean, that's that's good on you, man. Good on you there, Gunny. You, you did. Well, you, that, that's good. That's good shit, right? There. Well, it's a good team. I mean, uh, I'm just you know helping out here. This was uh, Bob and Rob's uh, idea, and uh, then we have all the staff and uh, staff are incredible. Like we have a light, a light colonel, infantry light colonel, uh, who's one of the staff members. Um, Sergeant Gavin Jones, uh, sniper, good friend of my son. They both did their recon and sniper together and deployed together. Um, he's here, uh, staff as well. So we got all these guys, uh, Mako, who's a X signals officer. And, uh, like all he does is jump. He's just create, like, he'll jump all day. Like he taught on the last pararescue course uh, last year, you know, they're jumping all day. And I'm like, Hey, so we doing tonight? He goes, oh, I'm going base jumping tonight. I'm like, Holy shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> keep doing it, man. Well, if that's what, that's what keeps him going. You gotta do, we gotta do what you're happy with, especially. Oh yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, that sounds amazing. And, and uh, honestly, I, I just, I, I appreciate you putting that out there. So I think you're going to help a lot of people really. And it's yeah, I hope so. I hope we, uh, we pull it off logistically. I mean, uh, this is our first go and I think, you know, we, we're putting a lot in here. I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, after looking at it, we should have maybe stuck with one rotation for our first go. <laughs> um, or if we're going to do multiple rotations, take a break in between. But we're going straight through straight 12 through. days. So you're going to be hammered, man. And I'm not <laughs> saying hammered in a good way by drinking too much vodka, Tonto vodka. I've said you're going to be freaking smoked and just tired. But I, I, I know once you're done, you're going to it's just like when you walk off the, the and it is the cliches again. 
you're going to walk off that battlefield victorious, just smoked, but you're going to feel yeah. good. And that, yeah, that's exactly. what it's all about. I think this is so cool. I think any positive outlet for veterans out there for combat vets is a great thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's too many vets who are sitting around probably, as you said, they're not engaged in something that's high stress. And and that's when those dark thoughts creep up for guys. So this, this is an awesome thing. Check it out, everybody. Operation Pegasus Jump. The link is in the description if you want to donate, because they can clearly with the amount of stuff you're doing, use that money and use that money for good. Um, You know, so I, we got asked all the time, like, what are good veteran causes to donate to? And I always mention 14th Hour Foundation. And I, and I mentioned, of course, Gallant Few and all that. But this is another great outlet that's doing something different that you guys can donate to. Um, you could follow uh, Tim on Instagram at Army underscore Sergeant underscore Major. major. So it's Army underscore SGT underscore Major on Instagram. This has been awesome. I really appreciate uh, our guy at Walper Style on Instagram for letting me know about you because I think this has been what we do on this show. This is this is the type of interview that we love doing. And uh, we've had a lot of interviews recently that I've said, man, this has been a great interview. This is one of them. And I, I think Chris would say the same, but I, yeah. I really appreciate you being this candid about stuff. I mean, I don't know what we didn't touch in terms of we talked gun control we talked about some great combat stories. We talked about family and faith and and also just helping guys who are going through struggles and, and that they're not alone. So I really think we hit it all in this past hour. Well, it was good yeah, it was enjoyable. I really appreciate this uh, invite, guys. It's uh, amazing. And uh, Chris, it's a pleasure to actually oh, no. chat with you. Yeah, you too, and, brother. Uh, you know, I loved you in 13 hours. But you looked a lot different <laughs> in that movie. I am a hell of a lot better looking in person. I'm not as big. Obviously, I'm not as huge, but he is huge. I, I'm not. But damn, I'm so much better looking. So it's a you good trade off. I, I have to agree. Thank you. Thank you. And I know we're saying that in a strictly plutonic way, even though it is that month. <laughs> even though it is that month in America, I'm saying it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. There's that. nothing wrong yeah. with it. I'm not. We're just, <laughs> it, it, plutonic love is okay as well. There is yeah. that. That is still fine. I, that's, I don't see why that's it. But brother, thank you. And actually, bring you on again. We didn't get, I didn't get into your feelings about your son going to the Air Force. And I think that we may last a whole episode within itself. So yeah, we'll, we'll save, save that for that next time. we got to leave the well, people I do, I do have to say, I just give them the gears because it's fun. But all the guys that go into that trade That's hard. all come from the Army. Oh, do they really? I didn't know. Yeah, so it works different than your military. So yeah. you have to remuster into that trade. So tra- you ha- already have to be in a, in a trade. For at least four to five years before you can go there. Before you can go try out for. Well, because it's so hard, the average Air Force softcock can't do that course. Yeah, I, 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 we, we may, yeah, we'll need to discuss that. So it's all ex infantry and combat engineer guys that go there. You got to be a grunt, dude. You got to be a grunt. And and, and medics. All our stud medics go there, too. Well, brother, 91 Bravos that we had at Range Battalion and also all the Deltas that we had, they were shit hot, man. And that's, that's, they're the baddest of what they do. And I'm saying that in a good way. They're just incredible. I have much respect for combat medics because they're, they're hardcore. And I've tried to stick an IV in with night vision. I've tried, I can't do it. I don't know how they did. I still can't do it. I, and I remember puncturing my buddies doing the training, just trying to train, you know, like Pirano, get the, get the fuck out of here. You're, you're, dude, this guy has holes all over his arm. I said, I can't see. I was a a shit show with that stuff. And I I got to hand it to my buddies that that put up with it. 
(laughs) (laughs) They kept jabbing him like, shit, I'm sorry, man. Uh, uh, You know, it's almost like you're you're, they're bleeding out right there where you're trying to insert an IV. But yeah, bro, (laughs) we'll we'll talk more about that. I would definitely need you on around too. And good luck with with the Pegasus, man. And we'll definitely get it pushed out there for you and and hopefully we can get some more money coming your way. Outstanding. I appreciate that. But I'm not sure if uh, Americans can donate on that because uh, it's a Canadian it, it is um, really? it is GoFundMe but I don't know if Americans can actually use it I mean I'm on it right now and I, I, I definitely think you can just, I, just I, ten I, fire a quick uh, chest fire okay. a quick 10 grand in there for me <laughs> I mean, it, it, it has the link to donate now so i i think you should be fine i think it'll it'll transfer the currency from american to canadian so well, try I, try it uh like 10 bucks just see if it works seriously while, while we're on here live yeah so i'll uh or, you know after the fact doesn't matter but just see yeah, if yeah. i'm gonna yeah. sign in right now then and are and we'll you do I'm, i could try for my phone definitely actually this is just his way of getting us to donate right now. Well, that's, that's, dude, <laughs> Which is that's, good though. It's a businessman right there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to figure out how to work this freaking. I actually, have to figure can out I download it from my here phone? on GoFundMe? Hold I on, we're, see, you stay right there. GoFundMe in a little bit. You're, where is it? Where's? Yeah, I'm not All right. with the tech stuff either. I, I don't know it. why I can't sign in. That's the problem I, right I got, now. I'd have, I have, I'd have to go through the whole. Okay. No, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm gonna try it. Unless unless you unless we gotta go. I mean, Ian, I'm I'm trying it. Right yeah, now. go for it. Try it. Um, donate now. Go for Operation Pegasus Jump. But my problem is I'm trying to sign in. I'm gonna have to do this request new password I, I, thing. I, I got I got us here. Oh, I'm you're in? Do, well, I'm gonna see if I can do just do a test with 10 bucks. And then total GoFundMe services. What is that? GoFundMe's are black. Yeah, you just disregard that. These yeah. Are, they they just want to get donations for GoFundMe. For GoFundMe, yeah, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got because I got Apple Pay on my phone, so I'll just okay. do that. Hold on. We need the Jeopardy music going. Dun, 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 <laughs> the processing payment. Come on, it's still processing. Still okay. thinking. It it worked. Yeah. All right, we're good. Oh we're wow. Good. Okay, great. So now yeah, helps. American viewers want to help out. Good. If you see anything from KPI LLC 13, that's me. Nice. So you'll see right. that. Call and, sign. That, and then I, I, I know that. Should, uh, there, you know what? I, I couldn't make myself. There's enough Tano crap out there. I just couldn't make myself make it. A Tano. I already have. I do have a Tano Gmail. Uh, never mind. There's enough Tano out there. That's <laughs> like. But um. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. So it's you, all you guys could donate. Canadians, Americans. I, I figured you would be able to, but this is awesome and. Uh, and yeah, once again, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, I, I loved it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. God bless you. You're a warrior, brother. And tell your well, son, man, be safe. And, and yeah, he's all, he's a, he's a freaking warrior, obviously. Oh, well. he's amazing. So, and and your wife, especially as well. I get that. Yes. He's awesome. So, God bless you, brother. We'll, we'll get right, you back on you again. And I hope you get across paths one of these days for real. Oh, that'd be awesome. Maybe shot yeah. show one year. Yeah, if, if I get back there next year, I'll let you know where I'm at. We'll come in. We'll we'll have a beer or something. That'd be awesome. Outstanding. All right, buddy. Take all right, care, Benny. See you, everybody. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself.
face all challenges head on. And as always, never, never quit. quit.